the free for all roundtable round two on round two today, Tamara Cherry is here from Pickup Communications. Pavan Brach is a serial entrepreneur in marketing, tech, and real estate development, plus a part-time farmer, which will come to bear on one of our stories. And Lindsay Broadhead is a strategic communications and public affairs advisor. Good morning to you all. And let's actually start on the farming topic, just for the heck of it. Pavan, uh, apparently nobody's going to be allowed to get hens to lay eggs in their backyards in the city of Toronto owing to avian flu. Is that uh, engaging in too much concern trolling or good public policy? <laughs> well, well, the next time I drive into Toronto and see a stray chicken walking on the road, I'll know what happened. And then she, you'll ask, uh, why got, did it cross the road? That's yeah. Exactly. <laughs> because she got evicted. Yeah. Uh, sadly, sadly. No, anyway. So, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, frankly, you know, the residents who have chickens right now in Toronto, I understand, are able to keep their chickens. Yeah. Uh, so until they die, which is, uh, you know, anyways, that's great. Or until they meet the great soup bowl. Uh, but certainly, uh, I think, I think we may be overreacting. I mean, I'm not, I'm obviously, we don't play doctors here, but you know, I looked it up. CDC says 700 infections in the world since 2003 that kind of crossed over to people. So I think, I think we're kind of, you know, going a little bit too far here. Uh, and you know, the, the, the dangers of transmissions to humans, it's very rare. You've got to be interacting with a sick or dead, dead carcass, et cetera. I mean, our, uh, so I, I don't know. I think we're overreacting. I know that the egg producers are just delighted about this because they don't really like uh, people making their uh, producing their own eggs in the backyard. But uh, I don't I don't want to throw eggs here. But that's uh, just my thoughts. Mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, Lindsay Broadhead, everybody predicted calamity. Oh, they're going to keep chickens in the backyard. And it just seems to have worked out. But now apparently no new people can climb on board. Yeah, I mean, I generally and theoretically love the idea of people producing um, their own food. Um, But chicken and chicken care falls firmly into the category of things I know literally nothing about. Um, I do know that uh, I have enough concerns with the raccoons in my neighborhood. Um, So I personally could not venture into the chicken coop care business as well. Uh, The raccoons keep me busy. Okay, Tamara Cherry, your thoughts? That is such an excellent point, Lindsay. I think that next time the city of Toronto is designing their garbage bins or their green bins, maybe they should go to the chicken coop people to see how they keep their chickens safe. Uh, Otherwise, I mean, I I agree with Pavan. I think this is an overreaction. If it was that big of a deal, then the people with the chickens wouldn't be allowed to keep them until they die, which could be another like five or 10 years. Federal civil servants walked out. Well, not really. They're all working virtually, but uh, they stopped working at 12.01 this morning. Uh, Lindsay Broadhead, I just don't see this to be a strike that is going to bring us to our knees. Although if you're waiting for a passport, maybe you're going to be ticked off. Well, I think we're already in the ticked off category uh, when it comes to passports. This this one's tricky. Um, you know, they've been in negotiations for a while, and I, I, I think unions should have contracts that are secured. But at the same time, we've just gone through a new cycle where we've learned a lot about um, how federal staff have increased by, I think it's upwards of 30% during COVID. So it's hard to argue for uh, more more salary and a salary increase when um, they've already been offered the 9% that was leaked. So that's, you know, uh, 3% over a three-year period each year to total 9%, which seems 
uh, generous. And also we're, we're collectively suffering from um, the inflation measures that are in right now. Uh, the Bank of Canada has worked hard to do, and it's been very clear in this, the primary goal is to keep uh, salaries in, in check with where the, the economy will likely go. So um, first of all, I, I'm not sure that it's a smart move to go much higher than 9% for anyone, but also they, they don't have a enough uh, armory uh, to to back up the decision to go the four and a half year on year that they're asking, four and a half percent year on year that they're asking for. Yeah, Tamara Terry, I don't reflexively or automatically condemn unionized workers for their demands. But in this case, I kind of think the feds have made a good offer. So maybe they should just settle. I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what comes of the whole work from home thing, because that's part of it. I believe that they want that worked into the into the agreement, a, a clause about work the ability to work from home, because I don't think that's an issue that is going to go away anytime soon. Um, I think that a lot of people enjoyed working from home and a lot of people didn't. But just having the option there is sort of a reality of the future, not to mention that it could save the government a whole whack load of money. Uh, one thing I just wanted to say, because I think I heard earlier in your show, John, that there might not be picket lines because everyone's working from home. But I was actually chatting with a friend last night who is a manager in the federal government. And she was saying that in the collective agreement, if you don't show up to a picket line, then you can be threatened with expulsion from the union. So I, I don't know. I feel like people will be picketing. Yeah, no, actually. Actually, the observation was apparently a memo went out or an email went out telling everybody they couldn't virtually pinic, uh, uh, <laughs> pick it, which kind of cracks me up. The whole idea of somebody <laughs> sitting in front of their computer at home saying, fair wages now, fair. With I, a I'm little gonna sign. Go, I'm going to go get a Keurig coffee. Okay, listen, let's keep moving because i got a bunch of things I want to get to this morning. And uh, Pavan, I'm wondering if you have any salient thoughts on Galen Weston stepping aside. It doesn't surprise me entirely because I think... It worked, you know, having this billionaire cuddly guy in a sweater represent his grocery chain, which he inherited, worked for a while. But then we got to the point where everybody thought, you're just greedy. Yeah, no, it, it worked very well. Not not right away. And I, you know, I have, um, I started my career with Procter & Gamble. I used to call it on Loblot 22 St. Clair. So lots of fond memories in the 80s. Um, an excellent organization. I don't need to tell people, you know, and, and when he took over from his father, he had a rocky start, but, uh, you know, he, he hired one of those famous management consulting firms and they went and fired a lot of people that were pretty smart and pretty critical to the business, you know, made a mistake, turned around, hired them back and got it going. And, you know, if you, if you take a look at it, considering, you know, what we've seen with the Eaton's family and other multi-generational ownerships, he's done fairly, in fact, he's done an amazing job for them their shareholder value has doubled since 2019. So, uh, so I think, you know, as much as I hate the prices um, and, and some of the contentious issues of giving himself, a, you know, getting a salary increase in the face of all the, uh, the, the cost increases, he's done a brilliant job. He's brought in shoppers. He's, he's, he's purchased medical clinic chains like LifeMark, et cetera. And, uh, and now he's stepping back and allowing somebody who has global experience uh, to, to take over and replace a retiring exec. And, and I think that probably makes a lot of sense. It allows him to continue to focus, but he's done a good job overall. And uh, and maybe there's a, a global expansion in the works. Yeah. Lindsay Broadhead, do you think that he was a victim in some respects of piling on? I mean, in the modern internet era now, you can make a couple of mistakes and then everybody's all over you all the time. And it kind of spoiled his brand. And by proxy, it spoiled the Loblaws brand. 
Um, I don't think he's a victim. Uh, certainly CEOs and leaders and especially founders, as we're seeing, you know, in the Elon Musk's of the world, they they play uh, a different role um, than they ever have before. And they're under, uh, I think, rightly more scrutiny um, and, and requiring to step up, uh, step up to the plate and represent their businesses. Like Pavan said, I mean, he he's been excellent during a period of immense innovation, bringing in all the pharmaceutical um, changes. That, that's not just businesses. I mean, those were regulatory changes. Um, but he 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 wore something that's now of another generation um, and Loblaw in order to move forward and in order to be, uh, you know, a valid and authentic representation of what's happening now in the community. You you can't have your your wealthy founder uh, at, at the front or the uh, or the helm. Uh, so the change is right, but man, did he do a good job before. All right. Listen, let's talk about wealth. Justin Trudeau has some. Uh, it's often vastly overrated. Lots of people his age have inherited money from their parents. Uh, he's taking it on the nose for his Jamaican vacation. Tamara, what do you see in all of this? I mean, I see politicians being politicians, and that is about it. Uh, <laughs> in my understanding of this, whether Trudeau went to Jamaica or went to Italy, uh, it would have cost the taxpayers an exorbitant amount of money regardless because it cost the RCMP more than $115,000 to protect the prime minister. It cost the Royal Canadian Air Force thirty more than $33,000 to, to pay for the four-person flight crew. And this is stuff that is out of his control. And all of these costs basically add up to the cost of the trip. It's not like he went and he chose some 18-star resort to bring his family to that the taxpayers were paying for. No, he stayed at uh, the villa of a longtime family friend who's somebody with somebody's godfather, somebody else with somebody's godfather. I have no problem with it. It's absurd to think that just because a lot of Canadians are struggling, and of course they are, we, we've we not been taking vacations either, but I don't expect our prime minister, who I do believe probably works around the clock and seven days a week, um, shouldn't have a vacation. And, and any one of those leaders that is criticizing this would have spent the same amount of taxpayer dollars to take their own family on a vacation if they were prime minister. Yeah, Pavan, people complaining about this particular trip uh, never complained about Stephen Harper going under the same circumstances, government jet, government security, uh, high-end hotel, going to New York City to watch tennis or hockey. So yeah. I just wish there was the through line. I think people complain about Justin Trudeau living like an elite person, uh, you know, fail to recognize that pretty well anybody who ends up in at his level in politics has probably got some money. Yep, I agree. I mean, uh, you know, as Tamara points out, he has no choice. He's got to be covered by the RCMP, and he's got to fly in a certain vehicle, and he's got to uh, he's got to have his staff with him in case something breaks out. So, that's that's the bulk of the total that we're talking about. I think this is a complete distraction from the real issues around uh, what's going on and and uh, with the foundation, which I think is is tragic. But this this is completely uh, you know small potatoes in the in the grand scheme of things. The bigger the bigger issue is why why is another family friend involved in the investigation to clear this uh, this matter in, and on top of that why is his sister of his best friend slash minister uh, also involved in the review thank you all good to have you this morning <laughs> my thanks to Tamara Cherry Pavan Brach and Lindsay Broadhead thanks to you Nick Marano Joe Cristiano for their work on the show and keep it right here Jerry's next let's get 
Catch the Roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.